Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Sunday, December 3rd. Happy National Roof Over Your Head Day, which does not celebrate that Darius Rucker song, but it could, because Roof Over Your Head Day is all about appreciating what we got and what we don't got. In the movie Little Big Man, Chief Dan George, when he thought he was about to die, prayed, thank you, Father, for my victories and my defeats. And that's very profound and is the attitude I've tried to have ever since I saw that movie. The attitude of knowing God has everything under control and that he always gives us what we need even if we don't always like it and being grateful to him for that. Because gratitude is the key to happiness. Ever met a happy ingrate? Yeah, me either. Like, for example, today is also National Green Bean Casserole Day, which I do not care for. I've had it that was good, but usually it's just a gooey cream soup mess with them nasty fried onions on top, and I'd much rather have sweet potato casserole at Christmas. Then I saw this video of some people who defected from North Korea, possibly the worst place on earth, trying American barbecue for the first time. Different kinds from different states too. Imagine that. Imagine you're a North Korean peasant and you've been malnourished your whole life and probably ate a little handful of maybe dog meat or some stringy chicken a couple times a year. And then somebody feeds you ribs and pulled pork and burnt ends. And you realize just how wonderful the world can be. When one girl took her first bite of brisket, slow cooked for 14 hours over a hardwood fire, I thought she was gonna cry. I'm fixing to just thinking about it. And I'm never gonna complain about my food again or my old truck or anything, hopefully. Cause like Darius Rucker says, I got a roof over my head and shoes under my feet, and it's all right, all right. Our reading for today is Daniel 11, 2 through 35, 1 John 3, 7 through 24, Psalm 122, 1 through 9, and Proverbs 29, 1. So if y'all are ready, you got no right to complain about food when you got a Waffle House, a barbecue joint, and a Publix within a mile of your house, and a zoo for when things get real bad. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on December 2nd, in the Old Testament, we read Daniel 9-1 through 11-1. And why we stopped on 11-1, I don't know, but that's what we did. Yeah. And chapter 9 starts out, In the first year of Darius the Mede, which was made king over the Chaldeans, made king by Cyrus, because he took orders from the Persians. He says, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah. How he got it, I don't know. But Daniel was pretty high ranking by this time, and he was over all the most learned men. So it's not unreasonable that he probably had books from all over the world and probably spoke a lot of languages. And knew all kinds of magic for that matter because he was the boss of the magicians, which implies a fascinating duality. Anyway, he was reading Jeremiah and he read that part about the captivity lasting for 70 years and then the Jews will be allowed to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. And it's been about 60 something years so far, so he knows it's getting close. How does he know? Jeremiah said so. Yeah, but how does he know? Well, he doesn't technically, but he has faith. So he hopes. And the substance of things hoped for is the return. So he knows. So what does he do? I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He starts praying. Hard. But if he knows it's going to happen, why bother praying for it at all? 
Well, why wouldn't you, is the answer. He repents on behalf of all Israel and asks for mercy. And while he was in the middle of praying, Gabriel shows up again. And Daniel recognized him, which I'll bet. And he says he's come to explain something to him. And then we probably have the most famous and most written about prophecy in history, what they call the 70 weeks of Daniel. And no way we're going to do it justice here. But zillions of pages have been written on this, so knock yourself out. Basically, the next four verses are Gabe's prophecy. Verse 924 is the scope of the entire prophecy. Verse 25 is the 69 weeks. Verse 26 is an interval between the 69th and 70th week. And verse 27 is the 70th week. And the first thing we need to cover is that in this case, a week refers to seven years. Like, remember how they were supposed to let the land lay fallow every seven years? Well, same concept. So what we're talking about is a 490-year period. And in verse 25, Gabe says, From the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. And a score is 20. So, seven plus 62 equals 69. We have 69 weeks of years, or 483 years, till Jesus comes. So based on the 360-day year the Jews used, we have 173,880 days from the time the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem was given by Artaxerxes Longimanus on March 14, 445 B.C. Until when? His birth? No. The triumphal entry. When Jesus presented himself as the Messiah the King. Remember how he was always saying, don't tell anybody who I am because my hour has not yet come? Well, that was when his hour came on April 6, 32 AD. Now, when you correct for leap years, you get 173,880 days exactly to the very day. What a coincidence, huh? So verse 26 says, After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, which is the 62 that follow the first seven. And after that, not during, and not during the last week, but after that, the Messiah dies. And the people of the prince that shall come destroy the city and the sanctuary, which happened in 70 AD when the Roman legions under Titus Vespasian leveled the city of Jerusalem. They wanted to keep the temple intact and get all the gold out of it, but somebody apparently set it on fire and melted all the gold, so they had to take the building apart brick by brick and scrape off the gold to recover it. Remember when Jesus said not one stone would be left upon another? Well, that's what he was talking about. But all this happens in a gap between the 69th and 70th week, and the 70th week still hasn't happened yet because we're waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles to come in. But that's not part of what Gabe said. The 70th week is what they call the Great Tribulation, when the prince that shall come that we mentioned a second ago finally does come and makes a treaty of some kind with Israel that allows them to build the third temple and start sacrificing again, without, somehow, the Muslims coming unglued at the thought of the Jewish temple sitting right where or right next to the Dome of the Rock. But three and a half years in, remember the time, times, and dividing a time? That's this. The prince breaks the covenant, shuts down the sacrifices, and is just basically a murdering jerk for the rest of the week until Jesus comes back. And then in chapter 10, we skip ahead to the third year of the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. Darius must have died, and Cyrus didn't replace him. And Daniel's pushing 80 or better. And he was mourning for three weeks. Why? Don't know. Probably because Cyrus had already given them permission to return to Jerusalem, but hardly anybody wanted to go. And there's a story behind that too, but we'll get there. One day, Daniel's hanging out at the river, and he looks up and sees a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire. 
and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude, and that's something you don't see every day. (laughs) And only Daniel could see him. But the guys he was with knew something wasn't right, and they fled to hide themselves. Daniel fell on the ground, but the guy touched him and set him up on his hands and knees. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. So Daniel stands up, shaken and terrified. But the dude says, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. I was sent here to talk to you the day you started praying about it. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. The angel that is the power behind Persia fought with me and prevented me from getting here. But the archangel Michael came to help me. So here I am. And by this point, Daniel is freaking out. You'd think he'd be used to it, but dealing with archangels is something you never get used to, I guess. Hmm. So the angel gives him strength so he can withstand this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. And the angel says, listen, I got something to tell you about the last days, but I got to hurry because I got to go back and fight with that Persian fallen angel some more. Then the fallen Greek angel is going to show up and I got to fight with him. So y'all know how I'm always saying there's way more going on behind the scenes than we're ever told. Well, here's a glimpse into that. And apparently it's full on freaky. (laughs) So what the angel tell him? Don't know. That's where we left off reading. (laughs) I just want to point out that Daniel is beloved of God. He is greatly beloved of God. So everyone in heaven knows about him. And when Daniel speaks, God in heaven respond. And what a prayer warrior, too. So speaking of the Antichrist, in the New Testament, we read 1 John 2.18 through 3.6. And John says, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists. And that's how we know that it's the last time. And this is the only place in the Bible that the word Antichrist is used. And it doesn't mean somebody opposed to Christ, but in place of Christ. A false Christ, in other words, like Jesus warned us about. And that's way more common than you think. I mean, darn, every time we disobey Jesus, we put ourselves in his place. So let that sink in. But John is specifically talking about those people who were part of their group but left it because they were never really part of their group. And the Greeks call that apostasia. And he says, anybody that denieth that Jesus is the Christ is antichrist and a liar. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. So abide in him and do righteously. And in chapter 3, he says, the world is never going to understand you because God has adopted you into his family and made you his sons. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. And when Jesus comes, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And it's possible he means the sight of him will transform us into his likeness, but I don't know. Then he drops a bomb, in my opinion. He says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. The law is apparently still in play, even though Jesus was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him, which is harsh. But I don't think this means Christians don't sin, because we do. I've heard it preached that once you get saved, you can never sin again, or you've lost your salvation. And I doubt that. First of all, that's a works-based thing, which would mean Christ's death on the cross wasn't good enough for our salvation. We need that plus perfection. So you better not so much as drop your keys or you're out. And what about all those sins you commit that you don't think are sins? 
Like, can you watch R-rated movies or just PG-13? Or is it PG only? You better not be wrong about any of them. Besides, I know Christians, and I've never met one that wasn't a sinner. I've barely met any that I'd let wash my car, let alone trust with my salvation. I, th- <laughs> I think what he's talking about is more the love of sin. To have the mind of Christ, you have to hate sin as much as he does. If you do, you'll definitely sin less, but you'll never be sinless. Then you'd be just like Jesus, and you ain't. Don't mean you ain't supposed to work at it, though, because faith without works is dead. And it really is that simple, which is why we always have to overcomplicate it. Uh-huh. I see it like this. In Christ, God fixed the heart problem. Now we have a heart God can write on, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us get the best conscience ever. Man can't help us with that, only the Holy Spirit. We can live by a bad conscience and sin. The sin hurts us until our conscience is improved, updated with the law, and we become convicted by the sin we didn't see coming before. Some sins are practiced until we find them in the list of flesh works. God is so patient, and he expects us to be patient also. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 121, 1-8, and that's another song of degrees. It says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hill from whence cometh my help. He's praising God for his power and how he takes care of us if we just stick close to him. Yeah, my help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth, and he never sleeps. And we know that Daniel knew a thing or two about that. And in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 28, verses 27 and 28. That says, He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. People think, I can't afford to give tithes and offerings, but the truth is you can't afford not to. It's the one thing God says to test him on. So start giving 10% and see if your finances don't get better. And I was going to make a joke here and say, if you don't have a church, you can send me your tithes, but don't do that. This podcast is my offering, and if I start taking money, it'll mess up what I'm doing. (laughs) And FYI, tithes and offerings are two different things. The tithe is 10% to support your church, and offerings are over and above that. And then verse 28 says, When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. I kind of think, when the wicked rise, the righteous should rise too, and oppose them. But that ain't always how it goes. Yeah, amen. And there's another proverb. He that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Can you imagine that? Lending to the Lord. And then, let's see. When the wicked rise, lawlessness is increased and the love of many grow cold. And we are supposed to contend with the wicked, not give them a pass to steal, kill, and destroy. So how to do that? Well, we have the Holy Spirit to help us with those details. We want a good conscience that pleases God and brings us closer to him. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for December 3rd is Daniel 11, 2-35. And now will I shew thee the truth. Behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than they all. And by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Grecia. And a mighty king shall stand up, that shall rule with great dominion, and do according to his will. And when he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken and shall be divided toward the four winds of heaven, and not to his posterity, nor according to his dominion which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be plucked up, even for others beside those. And the king of the south shall be strong, and one of his princes. And he shall be strong above him, and have dominion. His dominion shall be a great dominion. And in the end of years they shall join themselves together. For the king's daughter of the south shall come to the king of the north, to make an agreement. 
but she shall not retain the power of the arm, neither shall he stand, nor his arm, but she shall be given up, and they that brought her, and he that begat her, and he that strengthened her in these times. But out of a branch of her roots shall one stand up in his estate, which shall come with an army, and shall enter into the fortress of the king of the north, and shall deal against them, and shall prevail, and shall also carry captives into Egypt their gods with their princes, and with their precious vessels of silver and of gold, and he shall continue more years than the king of the north. So the king of the south shall come into his kingdom, and shall return into his own land. But his sons shall be stirred up, and shall assemble a multitude of great forces, and one shall certainly come and overflow, and pass through. Then shall he return and be stirred up even to his fortress. And the king of the south shall be moved with choler, and shall come forth and fight with him, even with the king of the north. And he shall set forth a great multitude, but the multitude shall be given into his hand. And when he hath taken away the multitude, his heart shall be lifted up, and he shall cast down many ten thousands. But he shall not be strengthened by it. For the king of the north shall return, and shall set forth a multitude greater than the former, and shall certainly come after certain years with a great army and with much riches. And in those times there shall many stand up against the king of the south. Also the robbers of thy people shall exalt themselves to establish the vision, but they shall fall. So the king of the north shall come, and cast up a mount, and take the most fenced cities. And the arms of the south shall not withstand, neither his chosen people, neither shall there be any strength to withstand. But he that cometh against him shall do according to his own will, and none shall stand before him. And he shall stand in the glorious land, which by his hand shall be consumed. He shall also set his face to enter with the strength of his whole kingdom, and upright ones with him. Thus shall he do. And he shall give him the daughter of women, corrupting her. But she shall not stand on his side, neither before him. After this shall he turn his face unto the isles, and shall take many. But a prince for his own behalf shall cause the reproach offered by him to cease. Without his own reproach he shall cause it to turn upon him. Then he shall turn his face toward the fort of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and not be found. Then shall stand up in his estate a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom. But within few days he shall be destroyed, neither in anger nor in battle. And his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom. But he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. And with the arms of a flood shall they be overflown from before him and shall be broken, yea, also the prince of the covenant. And after the league made with him, he shall work deceitfully, for he shall come up and shall become strong with a small people. He shall enter peaceably even upon the fattest places of the province, and he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his father's fathers. He shall scatter among them the prey and spoil and riches. Yea, and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds, even for a time. And he shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall forecast devices against him. Yea, they that feed of the portion of his meat shall destroy him, and his army shall overflow, and many shall fall down slain. And both these kings' hearts shall be to do mischief, and they shall speak lies at one table, but it shall not prosper, for yet the end shall be at the time appointed. Then shall he return into his land with great riches, and his heart shall be against the holy covenant. And he shall do exploits and return to his own land. At the time appointed, he shall return and come toward the south. But it shall not be as the former or as the latter. For the ships of Chittim shall come against him. Therefore he shall be grieved. 
and return and have indignation against the Holy Covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the Holy Covenant. And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice. And they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong, and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Yet they shall fall by the sword, and by flame, by captivity, and by spoil, many days. Now when they shall fall, they shall be holpen with a little help. But many shall cleave to them with flatteries. And some of them of understanding shall fall, to try them, and to purge, and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. Our reading in the New Testament for December 3rd is 1 John 3, 7-24. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us, by the Spirit which he hath given us. Our reading in Psalms for December 3rd is Psalm 122, 1-9. A Song of Degrees of David I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. And our reading in Proverbs for December 3rd is Proverbs 29.1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. And that will do it for the third. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Philippians 4, 6. 
which says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on not worrying about it, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, right now it seems like everything we know is at risk, and there's so much anxiety about the future. Though your word says to be careful for nothing, it's hard to not be worried. Yet we know you are in control, Father, and no one rises to power without your leave. We thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to comfort and empower us. And as servants of the Most High, we rebuke the spirits of fear and hostility that get more and more powerful every year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody out there listening and let this podcast be a blessing to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, what I really need is for y'all to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got anything you want us to pray for you about, email me at BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just hold off on making them worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless you. Hey, Bible, y'all. And by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all... I've been talking about barbecue and now my mouth is watering and I can't talk.